Well, good morning again. Today we start a new series. Uh, we just went through um, kind of a, a, a series for the sake of the world. And so today we're going to really shift gears and start a new series called What is Truth? I want to start with a, uh, an illustration that I read uh, in uh, Abu Murray's uh, work. He writes about a time when he was crossing the Detroit River between Windsor and Detroit. And so he got in his car, he was a busy man, and, and uh, he was checking his phone or something. He, got, he drove onto the ferry, he was checking his phone, and it took a while, and then when he looked up, he was wondering if they had left yet, if they had started on their journey yet. And so he, he looks uh, at his car, and he wasn't able to sense if it had started moving. He looked at the ship, and then he realized that if the, sh the ferry is moving, he wouldn't be able to tell because he's on the thing that might be moving. And then he looked at the river, and he recognized that he wasn't able to see if the ferry is moving because the river itself was moving. And he looked one step further, and he looked to land. And it was when he looked at the land that he could recognize whether the, he was moving or not. See, this is, a, this is an illustration. What is the unmoving uh, grounding of our lives? What is, it, what is the land that we look to to know where we are going? The unmoving land, so to speak, in our lives is truth. And so in the, over the next uh, couple uh, sermons that Pastor Peter and I preach, this is the topic that we're going to be looking at. What is truth? And how do we live our lives grounded on truth? Let's open in a, another word of prayer. Father in heaven, uh, thank you for the beautiful words in the last song we sang. And you are a God that cares for us. You are a God that walks with us. And I pray for those today that are coming with heavy hearts. We, we know from the scriptures you have told us many times that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you are always with us. And your love for us is never failing. And I ask that you touch hearts this morning that are in need of a personal touch from you. And I also ask Holy Spirit that you move in us, help us to understand, help us to follow along, and help us to... Uh, ground our lives in the revelation that we have from you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is the foundation of our lives? What is the land to which we look? It is truth. We base our lives, our meaning, our purpose, our morality, and our actions, the way that we seek to live towards eternity on truth, our understanding of what truth is. We are seeing a breakdown in our society and I, I don't think that we, we can say that it's worse than it's ever been because if we read the New Testament, it was pretty bad then. But we see that our society is struggling. Our society is struggling with things like teenage suicide rates are going up. We are losing our sense of what is right, what is wrong, what is just. Our universities are, are, are struggling to really come to grips with how do we uh, include all these different viewpoints. And at the very basis of this struggle is the question, what is truth? This is also the question that Pilate asked Jesus when Jesus stood trial before him. 
And I say that this question and the answer that Jesus would have given if Pilate had stayed and listened, and the question that Jesus gives in other passages of Scripture is as relevant for us as it was for Pilate 2,000 years ago when he asked it. We live in a culture where our leaders, our education system, and some churches seem to disregard the notion that truth is objective and knowable. As the trust and respect for truth as an immovable entity changes, each person is free to develop their own truth or their own version of it or their own interpretation of it. The implications of losing our grip on truth are profound. Not only do we lose our ability to find out what truth is, we lose our ability to uh, live according to it, to interpret it, and I think we do it to our detriment. Our text for today is found in John chapter 18, verses 37 to 38. So just giving a little context to this verse, Jesus has been arrested He's been brought before uh, the chief priests, and they send him to, to stand trial before Pilate. And so uh, Jesus had uh, done a few miracles. He had taught a few things that had turned the people against him. And so the Jewish leaders now saw him a threat to st political stability in Israel. And so they send him toward, uh, to stand trial before Pilate. And while he was standing before Pilate, uh, this is where uh, the conversation that Jesus and Pilate had between the two of them. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to truth. Anyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no base for a charge against him. Pilate asked, what is truth? And before Jesus could answer what truth is, Pilate turned his back and walked away from the very one, the only one that could ultimately define truth uh, for him. So the definition of truth that I want to leave with us today is this. Truth is that which corresponds to reality and is consistent with the revelation of Jesus Christ. So truth is not something that we just kind of think up or we hope for. It's we find out what is actually real, and truth is that. So truth is just not uh, our interpretation. It's not something that we want to be true, and then it is. We look what is real, what is reality, and then it corresponds with that. And obviously, as believers, we believe in the revelation of Jesus Christ. He illuminates what is true for us in meaning uh, destiny and purpose. Okay, so the first thing about truth that I want to uh, talk about today is that truth is universal and does not change. A pastor once uh, commented that many times pastors or teachers give answers to questions that nobody is asking. And uh, what he meant with that is sometimes we have issues and, and, and speakers speak to issues that people aren't really asking about. But this is, uh, as Pastor Peter and I, we were discussing what we should talk about in the summertime. This is an, a topic that is coming up a lot in uh, Pastor Peter's uh, work and also 
as I read, this is something that's really going on in our lives. If you are not asking questions like what is truth, I know for a fact your children are. I know for a fact that your nieces and nephews are. And I know for a fact that your neighbors are. And so the purpose of us looking at this topic is to equip us as a church to have meaningful dialogue with the people around us. So the first thing is that truth is universal and does not change. What I mean with being at universal is it's objective and does not change. Truth is whether everything else around truth changes. Truth is an actual reality. What I mean with this, truth is not merely an illusion. Yet we have many in our culture that insist that there is no truth. I like what Frank Turek says to this. And uh, he's, a, he's an apologist that travels to universities and he has conversations with students on this very topic. And so this is what he says. Frank Turek says, if somebody says there is no truth, then you need to apply the claim to itself and ask the question, is that true? And so if we do that, somebody says that there is no truth, well, all you need to do is then ask, well, what you are saying, is that true? And so we can kind of see how that very uh, statement is self-defeating. And truth really is objective. It has to have uh, a foundation on which it stands. Secondly, truth is universally universal and objective regardless of how it is discovered, expressed, or interpreted. What I mean with this is that truth is an entity apart from its interpreter. So, for example, if we could kind of say truth is in a box, the box would be here, and what is in the box would not change regardless of what kind of people came and looked at the box. Many people believe that truth is subjective because they fail to see truth, what is, is that it is different than its interpretation, how what is is viewed. This distinction is important. Truth is discovered and not developed. And so I'm going to use an illustration. I know this is a little bit of a risky illustration in our political climate, but this is an illustration. It's one of the best ones I can come up with. Um, do you remember beginning of this year, President Donald Trump was inaugurated, and there was this whole um, discussion about how this was the most attended inauguration in history. And then photographs started coming out, uh, really laying uh, that, that that claim was not true at all. And then uh, the, the counter to the um, president, Kellyanne Conway, met with the press and said that the press should look at the alternative facts. And almost everybody groaned this deep groan because alternative facts aren't facts at all. There are facts and then there are non-facts. You can't have two con contradicting things, both of them being facts. One of them is facts and one of them is not true. Whether it is true or not, no amount of twisting or facts changes what is true. Is there a discussion what is true? Is there a discussion on how many people are there? Yes. But the truth is still unchanging and static regardless of how much we attempt to twist it and search for it. The third thing is that 
truth is exclusive. So here's a little bit of review of some basic laws of logic. To affirm something to be true is to say that the opposite cannot be true. Two opposing facts cannot be true at the same time. Nothing can both be and not be. This is called the law of non-contradiction. Furthermore, the law of excluded middle states that everything must either be or not be. This is the understanding of truth that we continue from. Are you still following me? Okay, I'm, I'm going to kind of wrap this all together. So I hope you all brought your thinking caps today. So basically what I'm trying to say is that truth is universally objective. It does not change. It does, it, it's an entity apart from interpretation. And so it is true, and if there's something that two truth claims that contradict each other, they cannot both be true at the same time. Okay, the next thing that I want to say is that there are different kinds of truths that are universal and objective. First is that mathematical truth is universal. I'll have, uh, maybe there's some kids in this room that can answer this for me. What's one plus one? Yeah? What's uh, six plus six? Yes? Um, if I would ask that question in Mexico, what do you think the answers would be? One plus one would be? Two. Six plus six would be? Exactly. So here we have mathematical truth is always the same. It does not change. Suppose you went to Rona. I'm not picking on Rona. Let's say home hardware, superstore, whatever. We would, you wanted to buy some lumber to, to work on your deck, and you wanted to buy six boards of lumber, and they were advertising for $5 a piece. You would do, in your head, you would do some math, and you would come to the conclusion, if I have $30 plus tax, I'll be able to pay for these, uh, this piece of lumber. You get to the cashier, and the cashier says, that will be $50 plus tax. Now you have an argument about how the store is out to lunch. They are twisting truth. Because it doesn't matter how much they want uh, 6 times 5 to be 50. The fact is that 6 times 5 is always 30. It's universal. And you would stop shopping at that store if they continue to try to rip you off. So mathematical truth is universal. Furthermore, scientific truth is universal. The pursuit of science is built on the assumption that the natural world is governed by natural laws that stay the same. We can plan space travel because the pull of gravity stays the same. The speed of light stays the same. All these things are constants, and so we plan, we do experiments around the unchangeability of truth. But science isn't truth, it discovers it. The method of science discovers truth. Water will always boil at 100 degrees. So what if we have two kinds of interpretation of evidence? Let's take uh, another controversial uh, discussion. How old is the earth? So the earth, there are scientists that teach that the world is approximately 10.5, 4.5 billion years old, depending on which model you use. And then there are scientists that believe that the world is only 6,000 years old. Both cannot be true. One of them is going to be false and one of them is going to be true. As Bible-believing Christians, 
We need to be faithful to seek the truth rather than blindly following what we are taught. How faith and science intersect is a topic that I think Pastor Peter will cover on a different Sunday. So discovering truth becomes very difficult as we recognize that we have a worldview through which we interpret truth. But that does not change the fact that the facts behind science, the fact that science is seeking to discover, do not change. Okay, so we've established those two kinds of truth do not change. Now we're going to address two kinds of truth that seem to kind of be fluid. The next one is moral truth is universal. So this is the tricky part of the conversation. When we enter in discussion about morality, although our uh, our, our search for moral truth has a very subjective feel to it, I think no other search for truth has such a a raw emotional feel to it. What is right and what is wrong is universally true. Our expression of it, our interpretation of it, might be different, slightly different, but basically what is true and what is not true is uh, universal. I think this is most easily demonstrated by a very extreme fact. It is wrong to kill babies for fun. Everybody agree with that? Okay, if I would go to any other people group in the world, I know for a fact everybody would say, yes, killing babies for fun is wrong. So we can take morality, the basis for, on which we uh, base how we live is morally, or is universally true. The fact that there is diversity in the expression (coughs) on the secondary expressions of morality does not remove the fact that the underlying moral truths are universal. Those that hold to a strictly materialistic framework would contend that there are no moral absolutes, that they're cultural constructs to kind of help us govern ourselves. What I mean with that is that the people that believe that the material world, what we can touch, feel is all that there is, would contend that there is really no uh, objective way of knowing what is right and wrong. We just make these things up to help us kind of uh, function as society better. But yet all of us know that moral standards cannot be merely subjective. We might give intellectual assent that this is the case, that there is no moral truth. But let me illustrate it like this. Suppose you are a student, and you are in university or in your high school or wherever, and you put 20 hours of work into your paper. You write an essay. It's a, it's a long essay. It's kind of the end of the year. And you put a lot of work into it, and you know it's a masterpiece. Your friends reading, they're like, wow, that's really, really well written. You put a lot of work into this. And then somebody else goes on Wikipedia, cut, paste, puts it on paper, hands it in, same day you do. The teacher gives you an F, you fail, the person that plagiarized their paper gets an A. What does, as I talk about that, what goes on inside of you? That's unfair, right? From what basis would you say that's unfair? Says who? Why is that unfair? Or to take that one step further, um, Ravi Zacharias, uh, a few years ago, was at the University of Michigan, just across the river. And uh, 
there's a question and answer period. And so a questioner comes up and, and he made it very obvious that he was an atheist. And he asks Ravi Zacharias, why are you so afraid of subjective moral reasoning? Do you think that we're all going to start raping and pillaging just because we don't have a book telling us not to do that? What are you afraid of? I'm not, because that's not what we're going to do. Yes, Nazis are bad, but there are Christian Nazis and atheist Nazis. So you see, what are you so afraid of? And so Ravi Zacharias, always having a quick comeback, answers with this. Do you lock your doors at night? And everyone laughs because we see the absurdity of not having objective moral standards. And then Ravi continues. He says, the matter of fact is, if morality is purely subjective, then you have absolutely nothing from stopping anyone from being a subjective moralist, meaning that they choose what is right and wrong, to choose to just zing one through your forehead and say, that's my answer. So what Ravi Zacharias is saying if we do not believe in an objective moral truth, there's nothing that really stands in the way from me choosing whatever I want to do and there be no um, value set from which you can say you can't do that. There are differences between moral principles and expressions, but basic moral principles, regardless of culture, are the same. And they are murder is evil, taking advantage of the helpless is wrong, Inflicting unnecessary pain on others is wrong. Theft is wrong. Enjoying hurting other people is evil. Children's innocence and lives should be protective, protected. Parents should be honored. And marital faithfulness is more honorable than unfaithfulness. I guarantee you every culture in the world holds to these standards. And what I'm saying with this is not that atheists or people that do not believe in God are not able to live morally, but they have no real reason for the way that they live. They have no universal objective ought from which they are to take their convictions. Fourthly, religious truth is universal. So why would I have the audacity to say this? How can I say that religious truth is objective? Well, first of all, either there is a God or there isn't. It is impossible for there to be a God that exists and for there to be no God. Atheism and Christianity cannot both be true at the same time. So in that way, religious truth is objective. All religious systems make truth claims about reality and God. Where they contradict, they cannot both be true. So first thing that we need to know about these distinctions, that there are distinctions between major religions. There are fundamental differences between religions. At best, there are uh, superficial similarities. For instance, Christianity teaches that it is not what you do that saves you. It is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross that forgives your sins and his resurrection from the death gives you new life in him. The other ones, the other religions, have works-based uh, theology where they say if you do enough good deeds, God will accept you and he will forgive you of the small things you did wrong and accept you into heaven. Both of them cannot be true at the same time. One will be false, one will be true, or they will be both false, but they cannot be true at the same time. 
But when we assert that Christian faith is true, we're not saying that all non-Christian uh, religions are wholly false. I'm not saying that we're ecumenical. I'm, what I'm saying is that if all, God, all truth is God's truth. I like what George MacDonald said. He says, truth is truth, whether from the lips of Jesus or Balaam. The Christians affirm truth and virtue wherever they are found. For instance, if a Muslim says that it is wrong to murder somebody, we wouldn't say, no, you're wrong. It is fine to murder somebody just because a Muslim said it. No, we affirm truth is truth, regardless of which um, religious system says it. So how can I say that religious truth is universal? How can I say that we can know religious truth? This is because the foundation of truth is unchanging. The assertion that something is right or wrong, the assertion that there is a God, the assertion that laws of science never change, that religious truths are, etern um, that are eternal truths, they need to find their grounding. And their only grounding that makes any sense, that explains our reality, is having our grounding in God. Having our grounding for truth in God, his character, who he is, what he has said, is the only way that it satisfies our questions about truth, reality, moral truth, and our groundings for existence, nature, and our understanding of everything that's around us. So where does this leave us then with the hard teachings of the Bible? If there really is a hell, if man is really born with a nature to sin, if God has really given us standards about our, our sexual expressions, no amount of believing otherwise will uh, alter these eternal realities in any way. So when we hold to religious truth being universal, objective, what we are saying, what God has said 6,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago today, in the scriptures, all of that is the same. It never changes. It's objective. It's unchanging. These standards, these realities, exist without our dependence on our beliefs. And lastly, truth is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus taught that it was through him that we understand the truth of humanity, God, and eternity. It is in Jesus that we find the answers to the four basic questions that all of us have. Origin, where we come from, meaning, why are we here, morality, what is good and evil, and what happens to when we die, destiny. These are not questions that we can answer in science lab although science points us towards those things. They are an the answers are found in Jesus Christ because he addresses all of these questions. The questions of the heart, the heart questions that we lie awake at night and ask and ponder over. These questions are questions that only a relationship with Jesus Christ will illuminate. When Jesus stood before Pilate, it was truth embodied that stood there. I find it so interesting as you look at this verse in, in John 14, 6. He says, I am the truth. 
Jesus is not merely saying, I know the truth, or I explain the truth, or I teach the truth. He says, I am the truth. So what is Jesus saying with this? Jesus is saying, if you know me, then you know truth. If you have a relationship with me, you have a relationship with truth. Jesus is truth. Ultimately, truth is grounded in the character, love, and revelation of Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone on which we can build our lives. It is through him that we understand everything else. But the story of Jesus is not a myth. It is not a humanly imagined story or wishful thinking. I like what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. Our world tries to tell us that our faith in Jesus Christ is a baseless faith. It is wishful thinking. It's blind faith. We're hoping for hope. We're seeking for answers. And then we make this mythical person up so that we can tell ourselves everything is fine. But scripture tells us differently. And I know for a fact if we would get in a time capsule, get in a time ship, and we would go back 2,000 years to the time when Jesus allegedly lived, we would see Jesus exactly in the way that the Bible explains him. Jesus was, is not a made-up character. He is not a made-up person. He actually lived, he actually died, and he actually rose from the dead. Our faith is so different than other faiths. Other faiths said, such and such a person said, therefore believe it. Just take his word for it. Christianity is different. It bases its whole understanding of truth in an event, in a person, a verifiable, historically verified person, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died, and we can verify that fact, because Jesus rose from the dead, and we can verify the fact, we have a grounding in truth for our faith. We don't have wishful thinking. We don't have a blind faith. We don't make up stuff to kind of help us sleep better at night. We believe in truth. However, however can we be certain that Jesus is real? What about him is uh, taught in truth? And what we have in him is based on what is real. It is also through Jesus Christ that we see the truth about humanity. Jesus taught that every person was precious to him. He demonstrated this by loving the most vulnerable in society. He held children on his lap. He healed the lepers. He healed the lame, the people that were outcasts. We see that God truly loves each one of us. And he loves you. I don't know what you, what you see yourself as or who you see yourself as, but the Bible teaches us, and what we know of Jesus is that each one of you is loved. What do we mean that, what does Jesus mean when he says that he is the truth? It is in Jesus that we see the truth about ourselves. It is in Jesus we see the truth about morality, and Jesus' character and teaching ultimately gives us the guide to know what is right and wrong. 
However, as we see who Jesus is, we see that we do not measure up to the standard he has set for us. But there's good news. It is in Jesus that we are given a new heart where we are free to see spiritual truth. John in John chapter 3 teaches us that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are born again. What that means is that we are born into sin. We have done things that are sinful, that, that keeps us separated from God. The Bible teaches when we believe in Jesus Christ, God forgives us our sins because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we can now have a new life. And the Bible teaches in Romans, or in Romans uh, chapter uh, 5 and 8 that he gives us a new heart. A heart that now wants to do what God wants to do. A heart that is set free to live as Jesus wants us to live. That is what the Bible calls being born again. John chapter 8 verses 32 says that when you will know the tr- then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is not a myth or wishful thinking that sets us free. It is not changing our minds, changing the way we think of things. It is understanding what is real and true about Jesus that frees us. A little while ago, in April 8, 1966, Time magazine published a magazine with the title, Is God Dead? And churches around the world, they were, they were really coming to the end of themselves and wondering, what does this mean for us? Is God really dead? Like, what, what is going to happen to our world? People are asking these questions. But I can assure you, God is no more dead now than he was in 1966. He is just as alive as he was then when people were asking the question. A few years later, in April 3rd, 2017, you'll see it on the other side there, they published a similar question on their cover. Is truth dead? Our world is no more less religious than it was in 1966. In fact, it's a little more religious. Christianity is growing by conversion in other countries faster than it ever has before. God is far from dead. And in the same way that they ask the question, is God dead? And we got a negative answer to that question. I want to assure us today that there is a negative answer to this question as well. Is truth dead? And I want to say, no, it isn't. Truth is not going anywhere. Truth is ultimately grounded in an unchanging God. God does not change, and therefore, truth does not change. So what is truth? As I sum up, I want to ask the question, what is truth? Truth is that which corresponds with reality. It is what is real. Truth is not invented, it is discovered. It is revealed to us. Although our world seeks to teach that either truth does not exist in an objective manner or it might exist, but we should not pursue knowing it, we cannot know truth. But ultimately, truth is understood in Jesus Christ. Jesus is not an imagined person. He is not an intellectual crutch, but an historical revelation of God. 
It is through Jesus that we understand who we are, who God is, and how we are to live now and into eternity. Let's close in a word of prayer. Jesus Christ, thank you so much for coming to us. You have existed for all of eternity. As far back as time goes, you are. I thank you that you have uh, loved us for all eternity. You have thought of us. And you ultimately revealed yourself to us when you came to us as a man. I pray for those that do not know you, that do not have a relationship with you. I pray that you will stir their hearts, that they can know you, and that they will know truth, and that truth will set them free. I pray that you will go with us uh, during the week as we rub shoulders with others, as we visit with others, we interact with others. I ask that you give us opportunity to share your love and your truth with others. I pray that we will find it. We will see the opportunities that you're putting in our lives and that some of the things we have discussed today can be used to point people to ultimately knowing Jesus Christ and having eternal life in him. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.